Welcome to the Legal Eagle Show. This is your host, Tony Dodds. Uh, to call into the show, the number is 863-682-1430. That's 863-682-1430. To contact me at my office, the number is 863-688-2389. That's 863-688-2389. My office is located conveniently at 904 South Missouri Avenue in Lakeland. That's directly behind the old Southside Dry Cleaners that's on Southside, uh, South Florida Avenue. Today, I thought we would talk about the War Powers Act, also known as the War Powers Resolution. A lot of people will be going, why are we talking about that? Well, because it's pretty relevant right now, folks. We've got issues where we're watching whether or not Russia invades Ukraine, uh, China, whether they invade or try to overtake Taiwan. Uh, I was just mentioned a little while ago on the news that they are already claiming Taiwan as being theirs. Uh, it had been a Chinese uh, entity for decades, if not hundreds of years. And so it's all around us right now, and all of it will affect our uh, country and our economy and what's going on here, whether we get directly involved or not. Um, and, and believe me, I'm certainly not taking a position that we should get directly involved in either one of these things. Uh, we've just come out of a, a war, so to speak, uh, in Afghanistan, that we've been there for a better portion of 20 years at this point. Um, I don't think we need to be involved in any more international affairs, so to speak, as it would relate to wars anytime soon. Places like NATO uh, or entities like NATO, they need to finally grow something and, and cojones us and be able to be involved more than just relying on us to be the world peacekeeper. But I wanted to go into the War Powers Act simply because it has a lot to do with whether or not and how a president can deal with our military without authorization of the country. Um, the War Powers Act was passed in 1973, around November 7th of 1973. And what it sought to do was to enunciate the different powers between Congress, and the president. The Constitution does that already, but it doesn't specifically delineate how far the president can go as commander-in-chief and what the powers of Congress are other than Congress is the ones that appropriates the money for wars and makes the actual declaration of whether we are at war. So uh, let's go into a little bit further. Why was this done in 1973? Well, it, people my age remember, because we were kids about that time, we were in Vietnam. We'd been there since probably 1958, truth be told. We went in under Eisenhower, uh, got heavier involved with Kennedy, and got really heavily involved with Johnson. Nixon ran on a campaign of trying to get us out of there, but he was trying to do it in a manner in which we didn't lose face out of the whole mess. Uh, we still probably lost face overall out of it as it came down, but at least we got out finally. And it, it, it was basically a war between us and China then because the Chinese were supplying the North Vietnamese and we were dealing and helping the South Vietnamese. Only thing is we were several thousand miles from our home field advantage on something like that. And we threw a lot of young men into situations they didn't need to be in. And we became very wary or weary, the weary is probably the better term, of being in war at that point. Let, let's digress even further. 
We had been in the first World War towards the end of it, around 1917, 1918, we got involved in it. Then we were in the Second World War once Japan bombed us, and I'm going to go into a lot of dates later of when we declared war in those circumstances. That was in the, the late 30s all the way into the mid-40s. Then we became involved in Korea. That was the early 50s, like 50 to 55, somewhere in that range. And I'm, I'm speaking in some generalities. But we bounced from one war to the next. And then we're into Vietnam in 58, and we're still there in 1973. People wanted us out. And the, the issue with Korea and Vietnam is that neither of those military actions ever had a declaration of war from Congress. And so the purpose of the War Powers Act, and I'm going to quote a little bit from it, but not go stupidly high into the quoting, was to fulfill the intent of the framers of the Constitution and to ensure the collective judgment of both the Congress and the president uh, would apply to the introduction of the United States Armed Forces into hostilities. In other words, part of the checks and balances that we've talked about on this program before, particularly as it would relate to the Constitution and making sure that not one section of it, meaning one section of our government, either the executive or the legislative, had all of the authority as it would relate to, at least in this case, military actions. And so the purpose of the War Powers Resolution, which became the War Powers Act, was to limit the president's abilities to initiate or escalate military actions abroad. And the way that they did that was the president has to notify, pursuant to this resolution, has to notify Congress within 48 hours of the initiation of any military action. Secondarily, it prohibits armed forces from remaining for more than 60 days without congressional approval. Now, how many times has that actually been followed uh, since the initiation of the War Powers Act of 1973? Absolutely zero. Um, I, we can go into every presidential um, situation since then from Carter, actually Ford, Carter, Reagan. Reagan was involved with uh, 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 some of the actions that we've had overseas. Um you had uh, Bush Sr. who got us involved in one. Then you had Clinton who had us directly involved in a mess. Bush Jr., and I'm calling him Bush Sr. and Jr. Everybody knows who I'm talking about. We're going to go into more of this after the break. You've been listening to The Legal Legal Show on 96.7 FM and 1430 AM. Welcome back to The Legal Legal Show. This is your host, Tony Dodds. To call in, the number is 863-682-1430. That's 863-682-1430. To contact me at my office, the number is 863-688-2389. That's 863-688-2389. We've been talking about the War Powers Act, uh, which was uh, put into effect by Congress in 1973. Congress passed it because of the frustrations of being in protracted war issues or military actions without congressional approval and declarations of war by Congress. And a lot of people go, well, so what? How, do, how does that make any difference? Well, our Constitution literally separates the functions uh, between the different branches, and that includes Congress as well as 
the presidency. Uh, in Article One, Congress has the sole power to declare war. They're also the ones that solely can provide the funding for military actions like that. Article Two deals with the president being the commander-in-chief, meaning the commander-in-chief of the armed forces, the one that dictates how things operate as it would relate to a broad spectrum of our uh, initial military insertion into activities. And so Congress was trying to, I guess, retrieve part of their authority uh, that they had somehow delegated or lost uh, from about 1948 or 1950 all the way through to 1973. And what really triggered it during the Nixon administration is, is while he was at the same time trying to leverage us in a position to be able to get out, Congress then became aware of the secret bombings of Cambodia and Laos, mostly Cambodia, but it also included Laos. And for those of you that don't know what Cambodia and Laos are, they are neighboring countries uh, to Vietnam, and it's also no secret at this point, military wherewithal from China was being funneled through Cambodia and Laos into Vietnam to assist the North Vietnamese fighting against the South Vietnamese with the United States helping to assist the South Vietnamese. The problem we also ran into with that war is being able to figure out who the good guys are and the bad guys because we end up in a situation where your, your opposition doesn't necessarily wear a uniform. And it was just a mess for our military to get bogged down in. The loss of life was enormous. The, the economic drain was enormous. And it was time for us to not be the world peacekeeper anymore. We needed to be out. So that's why Congress pushed to be able to get this passed. Nixon did not want to give up his authority because he felt like he had a plan at the time of how to deal with things. And ultimately, Congress passed it, and he vetoed it, and then they overrode his veto so that it would become law. You're getting a little bit of a history of one occasion, at least, where a presidential veto was overridden by Congress, and it goes into law despite whether the president wanted it to or not. Now, the next issue is, how well has it been used or enforced since then? And the answer is, basically, it hasn't been. Uh, every president since this was initiated, including Nixon, but every president, that would include Ford, Carter, Reagan, Bush, Clinton, Bush, Obama, Trump, and now Biden. Uh, and I say now Biden, he hadn't said it yet because it hadn't come up yet, but it will be shortly, and that's part of the reason for this program, has all maintained that this act is unconstitutional. We, you're probably sitting there going, how can they maintain that it's unconstitutional? Well, the answer is Congress passed it, uh, overriding a veto by a president. And basically what they are saying is we're going to take back your commander-in-chief authority. And what they're trying to say is we want you to report to us within a certain amount of time frame what you're doing. Well, that may not always be the best thing to do. And then secondarily, we're going to limit your ability to do these military operations for until at most 60 days. And I guess the question then becomes, is that an arbitrary number or one that's realistic? Um, 
if it cannot be done within 60 days, then it's up to us to determine whether you have the funding to go forward or not. And if you don't have the funding, we're going to cut the funding and you no longer get to be commander in chief, so to speak, because we're calling the shot. That's where the presidents are saying that they're overstepping their boundaries because they're usurping the authority of the commander in chief to be able to call the shots as the military leader. Now, right now, and I watched part of it last night myself, there's this uh, documentary, so to speak, that's on History Channel, and I'm giving it a plug, but on Abraham Lincoln. Can you imagine Abraham Lincoln back with the Civil War trying to go to Congress to get the appropriations for fundings to carry forth with that war in a manner that would fulfill the War Powers Act of 1973? And the answer is, it wouldn't have happened. It simply would never have possibly happened because there's no way that he would have been able to get that kind of funding to maintain that war to keep this country together. And I think that would be part of the attack that would be used by a president if it ever came to it uh, when Congress would try to call one on the carpet. The interesting thing is, in reality, Congress has never tried to call a president onto the carpet about this, even though they've had the opportunity in a multitude of situations since 1973. None of them have had funding cut for operations. We had Operation Desert Storm, uh, Enduring Freedom. I mean, I can go down a laundry list, and, and it's over several different presidents' uh, tenures in office. Uh, and I even include Trump in that because Afghanistan was still going on when he took office. Now, ultimately, he signed the paperwork that would help us get out. Then there was the botch get out, but that's a whole different issue for another day. But the long and the short of it is is that even he never went to get an appropriation from Congress of funding to maintain that military function that we were performing, which would have been required under this War Powers Act of 1973. So, as we've discussed, the reason for this was because Congress was trying to assert some authority uh, as it would relate to saying, okay, we want you to report to us when you're doing things and what you're doing so that we can then decide whether or not we need to make a declaration of war. But then they've done nothing to follow through with it, and there's a good reason why they have done nothing to try to follow through with it. Because every president has said this is an unconstitutional uh, law, unconstitutional act. Congress may be, and probably quite frankly is, afraid of having that challenged in front of the third branch of our government, the U.S. Supreme Court, as to the constitutionality of that act. Because if it were deemed to be unconstitutional by the U.S. Supreme Court, it would be in a precarious position as to what real authority Congress has at any given time to deal with a checks and balance on the presidency concerning military actions. At least right now, superficially, presidents may have in the back of their mind, hey, I need to work with Congress on this. But if that act were to be struck down by the U.S. Supreme Court, it would cause a complete evisceration of any power by Congress uh, concerning a military action except for one. Congress is still in charge of the money and could still cut off funding whether or not they had any real authority to check and balance the president himself. 
If you cut off the funding, the operation's going to cease to exist. That will probably never be something we see. I say that. It could happen at any given time. But it is something that we have to look at, and and it's part of, I think, the balancing that these two branches, the presidency and Congress, have been dealing with. Um, Like I said, we were in Afghanistan for the better portion of 20 years. And there was never a declaration of war. And folks may be wanting to um, ask, well, how many times have we actually had a declaration of war in the country? And the answer of that technically is 11. There's been 11 declarations of war, and I'm going to quickly hit at least some of them before we go to the next break. So... Um, The first declaration of war, believe it or not, was not the War of Independence because Congress didn't exist yet at that point. We had the Continental Congress, but not the Congress that we have at this point in our our tenure. So our first declaration of war by Congress was with Great Britain in the War of 1812. There was actually a declaration of war as to that. Uh, We always hear about the song involving Andrew Jackson and Mighty Mississippi. That was dealing with the War of 1812, how we kept Britain from coming up the Mississippi River and basically coming up and getting us from the rear side, which would have devastated our our entire country at that point. That was the first declaration of war, though, was in 1812 when Congress actually authorized funding and, and issued a declaration of war against Great Britain. The next one would have been against Mexico in 1846, We all know what stimulated that. That was dealing with Texas and having our wars with Mexico and and the grand old Alamo, which I've still yet to visit, but it's on my bucket list of things to do. So that was the second declaration of war. And then the third one would have been against Spain in 1898. Go back to your history books, folks. I'm not going to go into detail on a lot of these, but that would have been the third one that we had. I'm going to wait on the fourth and fifth ones because they're actually related to each other until after the break. You've been listening to Talk Radio 96.7 FM and 1430 AM. Welcome back to the Legal Legal Show. This is your host, Tony Dodds. I'm an attorney in Lakeland. To call into the show, the number is 863-682-1430. That's 863-682-1430. To contact me at my office, the number is 863-688-2389. That's 863-688-2389. Interestingly, during the break, we had a caller call in, and I had made mention of an old song involving the Battle of New Orleans or 1812. Apparently, it was playing on a sister or a different station at the same time. Now, if that isn't weird or coincidence, I think I'm getting ready to go buy a lottery ticket tonight. Because somehow I cognitively must have picked up on that or it came into my head. And so I, I got to give it a try on something like that and see because I somehow was so well able to see into the future that I knew what was going on on another station even. But anyway, we've talked about the, uh, the declarations of war so far. We went through the War of 1812 being the first one. Interestingly enough, the American Revolution was not a declaration of war from regular Congress like we know now from our Constitution because it didn't exist yet at the time. And if we all will recall, General Washington did everything he could and had to do everything he could to get whatever funding he could 
for the regular army of the United States or America, whatever you want to call it at the time, there was no regular president in, in power. He became the first president. We had presidents of each of the Continental Congresses. And so he was having to scavenge to get money together to be able to help support his own war effort at the time. The first declaration of war would have been the one with Great Britain in 1812. Second was Mexico in 1846. The third was Spain in 1898. The fourth was Germany in 1917, which we all know is the First World War. The fifth was Austria and Hungary in 1917. So we can call that the fourth and fifth, but it's really one declaration. It's just two declarations aimed at two different entities out of the same year because we were involved in the same war. And it would have been kind of silly not to have had a declaration of war against Austria and Hungary when they were on the same side as Germany at the time. So we had to have a separate declaration because we're fighting different entities. The sixth one was Germany in 1941, and we all understand that's World War II. That's when we entered it. Now, World War II had been going on for quite some time at this point. Remember, the United States did not become involved directly until Pearl Harbor, and that's when Japan attacked. And a lot of people go, well, then why wasn't that the fifth one, or the sixth one, excuse me? Well, because they did six, seven, and eight almost simultaneously, and that was Germany, Italy, and Japan, all part of the same group, so to speak, uh, that Europe, the rest of Europe, and ultimately the United States were fighting against. All of those were numbers six, seven, and eight, and those are in 1941. So that's really one declaration, but it's three because of the three countries. And then the last ones were 9, 10, and 11, which are 1942, Bulgaria, Hungary, and Romania. Again, World War II, but they were countries that we had to do declarations of war against because of their involvement uh, with Germany, Italy, and Japan as part of World War II, they required separate declarations of war, and especially for purposes of funding and the military action. That, folks, was the last declaration of war ever approved by Congress. So when we talk about the Korean War, there was never a declaration of war by Congress pursuant to our Constitution, for our involvement in Korea. It's the Korean conflict that is more appropriately described. Uh, it's not the Korean War, as you would believe, because there was no declaration of war by Congress. Vietnam War. Yeah, we can call it Vietnam War, but it was never a declaration of war by Congress. So it really was the Vietnam Conflict or Vietnam incursion, whatever you want to call it, it's just, it's not technically a war, even though we lost hundreds of thousands of people in both of those wars. Uh, and, and they are wars. The other thing that's interesting on this was there was no declaration of war, as we had mentioned before, for the Civil War in 1860, 1861, during that time frame. And that's because we're fighting ourselves in that particular situation. You had, and for lack of a better word, we call it the Union and the Confederacy, or the North and the South, different terms for different historians out of this. Your northern states and your southern states fighting. Uh, we can say it's a war of northern aggression, but that was a change in the way it was looked at later on. 
it really was dealing with slavery and the abolition of slavery or the advancement of slavery or holding slavery off as it would relate to the Missouri Compromise. And I don't want to try to delve into too much of that historical analysis right now. I may do it some other time for a Monday broadcast for the whole thing as to what led to the war itself. But the long and the short of it is there was never a congressional declaration of war. So Lincoln was able to go through that entire civil war and never had a declaration of war from Congress to fund uh, the operation of the Union against the Confederacy. And so, in essence, while there are a total of 11 declarations, there's really one, two, three, four, five, six actual declarations because some of these involved multiple countries uh, for the same particular incident. Again, we go back to the reason this is important is under our Constitution, the Congress is the one that has the sole power to declare war, and therefore they are also the ones that can provide the funding for it. Uh, They are the ones that deal with uh, the issuance of taxations and how that tax money is ultimately to be spent. Now, in our general budget right now, we have a military that has a, a budget assigned to it through each one of the budgets that's passed over time. Those budgets are passed by Congress when they are passed. I think we've been operating off of no budget for God knows how many years now because nobody seems to be able to sit down and put together a real budget. If we did, we might not be $35 trillion in debt or whatever the current figure is. It's trillions. Um, We're going to have a problem, and it's going to get worse, if Ukraine is invaded by Russia and Taiwan is invaded by China or if either one of those things happens. Because ultimately, even if we do not directly get involved, and God help us, I hope we don't. We can't do it. We've lost enough young men doing stupid things at this point. Let some other countries do it for a change. But if it happens and we end up involved even in a monetary aspect, which we don't have the money to do, let's be brutally honest, we're going to be sending supplies, weapons, which... Believe it or not, folks, those weapons cost money to produce. Uh, If they end up in the wrong hands, which is what happened when we left Afghanistan, we just left behind ridiculously uh, ridiculous amounts of of weapons and value of weapons without destroying them before leaving them or without taking them with us. Either one would have been better than doing what we did, which was just leave them there so they could be pilfered by the locals and or the Chinese and the Russians to get our technology. But because they were left... It's now available to everybody. If we start supplying weapons to the Ukraine uh, and to Taiwan, and and part of what we just heard before this program even started was that China was upset about Taiwan having a contract with one of our our military contractors here in this country uh, to provide missile defense systems. Okay, those systems came from this country, a private entity probably funded by our government to give it to them, that's, a, that's still money coming out of our government. And guess where our money for our government comes from? Us as taxpayers. Government has no money. It's what's provided to it through taxpayers, which means we're going to be diving into the more problems by funding everybody else's problems in the world again. And it's time we stop that. We cannot continue to supply 
funding for everybody else. We have enough homeless people here, enough veterans here, enough kids that need additional equipment and stuff for purposes of education. We do not need to be diving into another international conflict. Let Russia go get into Ukraine. It'll probably turn into another Afghanistan, which ran them into bankruptcy before. So, you know, I know what they're trying to do with it. I know what their plan is, but it may end up being a big problem for them. We'll go into more of this after the break. You've been listening to Talk Radio 96.7 FM and 1430 AM. Welcome back to The Legal Show, and that was a great lead-in from a song from the time period of the Vietnam War. It's one of the favorite bands I've always had to listen to, CCR. I actually got to see them in concert one time, folks. But that song is so appropriate to what we're talking about here. The title of it's Fortunate Son. And it really does have a lot to do with why we ought to be concerned about any future military involvements that we get involved with. Uh, We've talked about all of the different declarations of war that have been involved with over the years. All the conflicts that we've been in without a declaration of war that lost thousands of lives. Uh, Everything from Afghanistan to Operation Enduring Freedom, uh, the Iraqi war efforts. I mean, we can call them war efforts. They're wars, but they just didn't get the declaration of war and what it's cost our families out of all of this. And then we add to it the expense factor to this country. It's time this country focuses on itself and the people of this country, not the people of other countries. And we can call me a libertarian if you want. I'm registered as a Republican. Everybody knows that at this point. But it's time we focus on our own country. And why is that important? Why is it important to understand the declaration of war and the War Powers Act at this point? The reason it's very important is we've let war drag on too long for this country. Too many politicians in their laziness have allowed their use of war to try to fuel an economy when it sucks. Let's be brutally honest. And our economy is not in a great place right now between the inflationary numbers, uh, the fact that businesses are having a hard time finding employees and keeping employees, We've got gas that's a buck fifty a gallon more now than it was a year ago. The price of meat in the market is ridiculous at this point. Uh, it's cheaper for me to go out to a restaurant somehow to get a steak than it is to cook one at home right now. And yes, I know that for a fact because I actually bought one at a restaurant over the weekend, and for me to have prepared that same meal at the house would have cost me more money. So I would have actually had to put the effort into it and paid more than going out to the restaurant. Um, that's insanity. People should be able to eat at home, cook at home, without having to incur stupid amounts of cost. We cannot endure that. We've got to focus the efforts back here, trim our budgets back, keep it from being so exorbitant, and at the same time, we're not killing off our own kids in overseas wars, fighting battles that ultimately we're probably not going to be successful and win. We can say we won Afghanistan. I'm not sure what we won there. I mean, I really don't know what we won. We certainly didn't get any oil from over in that area that we brought back to help pay for it. Uh, We didn't take any oil back from the uh, Iraqi war efforts. And we probably should have to help pay for those wars, but it still would not have fixed the loss of life. And the reason I wanted to go into the War Powers Act today is Congress needs to finally step up to the plate one of these days and tell the president, no, you can't do something like this. 
It's one thing if we're going to go in for a very short period of time and and correct a wrong, free some hostages of our American people, whatever we need to do in those respects. But we don't need to be going and fighting other countries' wars just because we think it's the humanitarian thing to do. They, they need to do it themselves. We had to fight our revolution to free ourselves from British tyranny. We had to fight our civil war in order to be able to effectuate the freedom of slaves. We fought our own battles here. The only reason we were involved in the Second World War is we got drug into it. We were staying out of it other than probably supplying certain countries with some uh, weaponry. I know for a fact that we were supplying Great Britain with some handguns at the very least uh, prior to our entry into the war. But we otherwise had tried to stay out of it. We weren't supplying troops. We weren't supplying battleships. We weren't supplying anything like that. We stayed out of it until Japan drug us in. Probably the biggest mistake that ever happened by the alliance between Japan, Germany, and Italy was having us get brought into it. It woke up a sleeping giant at the time. It also proved what we can do in a military operation when it's conducted correctly, especially when you have leaders, and I will throw Eisenhower in there, but that's mainly because he used Patton, and Patton sure as heck took over and, and dealt with the issues with the Germans. And on the other end of it, you had MacArthur in the Pacific. The guy was kind of a, had made some mistakes early on, but he certainly recovered from it later on in the way he conducted the Pacific operation. So we used what we had, and we dealt with it. When we went into Korea, that was never with the intent to win anything. We went into Vietnam. It was never with the intent to win anything. They can say they were trying to win it. There was no way that was a winnable war under the circumstances. And it was all in an intent and purpose, ultimately, when you look at it long term, was it was doing an economy. It was a diversion from other issues that we were having to deal with. And we don't need any more diversions. We need to focus on ourselves. Let Ukraine deal with this. Let Europe deal with it. If they're so concerned about it, I'll guarantee you right now that Germany is not going to get involved in this whole mess. And the reason they're not going to do it is because they're getting oil from the Russians. It was part of a treaty that this administration allowed to be approved. And so as a result, Germany be cutting their own nose off to spite their face if they approve something like this. Uh, yes, we got a caller. Go ahead, caller. Yes, uh, I was in Vietnam in 65, 66, and, you know, i got to admit, we just didn't know what we were doing. We were young guys, and we were told to do what we were supposed to do, you know. Sure. But I did notice, though, such a waste of material. They would send bathtubs over there, all kinds of stuff we didn't need, and they'd just end up dumping it in the in the Saigon River. Oh, I understand, and that was probably the beginning of our $1,000 toilet seats and stuff oh, that were yeah, coming Yeah, that in. was, definitely. And I noticed some of these things, like the... The prices for them were extraordinary, ridiculous. Well, and there goes what I was trying to get at. It was a bolstering of an economy that was probably on the verge of a faltering at that point in time. It's part of a war machine. Anytime you're in a war-oriented economy, it does better than when you're not, at least from a capitalistic-type society. Well, that's, that's true. Now, we did the same thing. We left a lot of equipment there. We, our outfit, we were ready to destroy everything. We were going to you know, totally destroy it. We had to leave, but... We didn't have to leave, fortunately, but I did just to turn Cameron Bay over to the Russians. Oh, yeah. But, I, and that's part of the problem is we, <laughs> we keep making the same stupid mistake over and over. 
I mean, Afghanistan this year, I say this year, last year, is clearly an example of that where, okay, we're withdrawing on such and such date. Nobody bothered to destroy the equipment that was left. They just left it. No, big mistake. It should have stayed at that main base. They could have controlled the whole situation. Yes. And, uh, and that uh, would not have violated the treaty that had been signed. Right, right, right. Just unfortunate that uh, we don't learn. Like you said, we don't learn. Uh, well, and part of the problem we've got is is it, Congress itself is filled with bureaucrats. Uh, then you've got presidents that generally, other than the one that we had for four years that didn't get reelected, they're all bureaucrats. And they've been indoctrinated into one way of thinking, and they don't want to think outside the box whatsoever. And they have no military outlook at all. No, none. Not none. At all. I mean, the last one that had any kind of real military background prior to assuming office was the younger Bush, and even he was more of, I think he was a pilot or something. Uh, yeah. And then the dad had been in the military. Clinton had no military background. Um, you know, Reagan had no military background, but at least he surrounded himself with military folks that could advise him in most cases. He didn't necessarily go along with everything they said, but at least he, he took their advice. Well, we're going to leave a lot of equipment in Ukraine, which the Russians will get. Well, and that's sad. Oh, yeah, they're going to get it quick because the Ukrainians can't stand up to that army. Oh, no, I've talked to people from the Ukraine, and the, their military is just totally incompetent. And, yeah. And uh, it's well, they're terrible. Already, they're already talking about the elderly people in the communities are, are arming themselves for basically a house-to-house conflict out of it. Yeah, well, that'll be stupid. I know. But you know what? At least they're giving it a try at that point. Yeah, and, that's true. But we don't need to be involved. We need to stay out. Yeah, no, we need to get out of these. Don't get involved in foreign conflicts. No. Remember no. that warning? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I appreciate you calling in. Thanks. So, it, it, folks, you, you heard it right there from a guy that was in Vietnam. I mean, we've, we've never learned from the mistakes of Korea and Vietnam, uh, enduring freedom, Afghanistan. I, I, the list goes on. You know, when we finished World War II, we may have left some equipment over there, but the whole region was stabilized, and there were definitive boundary lines drawn. Russia had part of Germany, and then the other part was a free part of Germany. That was it. There was none of this, somebody else taking our technology and running with it. But we, we forgot how to conduct ourselves in a wartime effort, and it's time we quit being involved in wars unless it directly involves us. It's been a pleasure talking to you today about the War Powers Act. I hope you understand how it interplays with the Russia, Ukraine, and China, Taiwan issue. If you don't, then you'll figure it out shortly over probably the next couple weeks. We hope it doesn't occur, but I'm afraid that it's going to happen. You've been listening to Talk Radio 96.7 FM and 1430 AM, and I look forward to talking to you more about stuff next week. Thank you.